basically just gambling that they can make the collect the payments before uh, something bad happens to the company. Yeah, they're playing a numbers game too, right? They said they're like, well, if we put a hundred out, hundred MCA loans out, and you know, we get a return. You know, we 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 get back all all of it. Let's say we get back half of it, and then the other half, the other half, we get X amount percentage. But that's that's why an MCA company can go bust, right? We got people. Uh, we got people filtering in. So I'm going to play the introduction, and we can get the we can get the get the show on the road here. Great. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the show. And uh, just before I introduce my guest, I want to put out a quick reminder to everyone. For the month of April, I'm running a viewer survey just so I can collect some uh, a little bit of uh, data about the people who tune into my program, what your intentions are, what your background is, etc. If you wouldn't mind just taking a moment, head over to dcbsurvey.com. Um, it will take less than a minute for you to complete those things. There are a few prizes that I'm giving away. So if you want to include your contact information, uh, you can. You will not be entered onto any kind of marketing or email list or anything like that by putting your contact information. It will strictly be for the purposes of the draw, but it will give me an idea of who you are, what you're interested in, what your intentions are going forward, uh, and help me to create better content for the year ahead. So with, with that said, I'd like to welcome Kenny Butler to the show. How are you doing, Ken? I am very well. David, it's nice to see you. We're back. Yes, and it's been some time. I, I took a quick mm -hmm. look before uh, we got started here today, and it was March 25th, 2020 was the last time you were on. And we were talking about uh, using certain aspects of the UCC code to wipe away debts in a business sale. Um, and today we're still going to be talking about uh, business debts, uh, one that particularly afflicts the world of small business. We're going to be talking about these high cost uh, business financings that many small businesses are finding themselves in. Can, um, you know, and, and I'd just like to say this for everyone who's watching, you know, I, I get bankers onto my channel and I have other people involved in deal making on my channel. We talk a lot about, you know, somebody buying a business, getting an SBA loan and uh, or getting a you know some other kind of financing to expand the business. the re The reality is that for the vast majority of small businesses, um, reasonably priced bank debt is simply not available to them. Uh, and and when there's a cash flow crisis of some kind, and they go looking online for how do I borrow money from my small business, they often find themselves uh, on the website of someone who's offering a solution, an immediate solution that's going to have a fairly hefty price tag associated with it. Uh, Kenny, can you speak a little bit to that? Can you tell us about the kinds of debts that uh, that people are getting into that you've helped people get out of over the course of time? Well, one of the uh, the top one for us anyway has, has always been merchant cash advances. And that's the one that a business owner can get with within 24 hours. 
So they fill out a form. The, uh, you know, in, in today's world now, FinTech, they fill out a form. And then all their information just gets grinded through at the speed of light. So then they can decide, well, yeah, I'll take uh, 50 grand today. I'll take 150 grand. And then in some cases, it's even more. And they compile these up. And now they're in a merchant cash advance contract, which is very ugly. And it's ugly because you must hand over your account uh, information, your business account information, and allow them to withdraw payments. And those payments are usually daily payments as well. And they'll come up with some sort of deal. Sometimes they'll even take it out of your credit card processor. So uh, that comes out automatically. And they tell you, well, we're only going to take out a percentage. You know, often it's a percentage and not just an amount. Sometimes it's an amount. So they might say, we're going to take out 15% of your credit card purchases. And a business will say, well, I could really use that money right now. I'll just get that paid back as soon as possible. And then it ebbs and flows the payment with uh, the credit cards that come in. And then the business is fine that, oh, they're doing a lot of credit card payments now. Now their bottom line is getting smashed, their cash flow. And then they, what they'll do is they'll get some more MCAs. And often they go to the MCA because just like you said, there's very little opportunity to get decent financing. And if they have, if, if they, if they have done it, well, they've done it already. So they, they might be sitting on a SBA loan already. So they're doing that payment. They might have another, you know, a bank loan or, you know, another, you know, a, a pile of debt uh, from different places. And of course, the, by the time they get to MCA debt, they probably have vendor debt too. But uh, however, yeah, and, and and the way the way these things are presented, I know in in the with the business people that I've spoken to who've who've gotten into these situations is uh, the way that it's presented is sometimes I'll give you an example. They'll say if you borrow forty thousand dollars, then you pay us back twenty five percent more. You have to pay us back fifty thousand by allowing us to make these deductions every day from your account. And then they keep using this payback, it's 25% more. And for a lot of people, they might think that this equates to a 25% interest rate, which in fact it does not, um, because it would only be a 25% interest rate if it took you exactly a full year to make the payments. But of course, they generally want the payments more quickly. If if you are struggling with understanding sort of the rates of return and, and costs of interest and all that kind of thing, uh, I would recommend checking out my first book, Invest Local, because this deals heavily in the math uh, about these things. But I've had people before who, who've sworn up and down to me that they were paying 25%. And I'll sh I would show them that they're actually paying 80, 90, or 120% uh, cost of finance on some of these, these advances that they've taken. And they really don't understand the math. They really don't understand just how expensive some of these uh, cash advances might be. That's right. And 80% uh, would be uh, a really good deal in the MCA world. It can go f way higher than that. And uh, I think the business owners uh, look at uh, an MCA almost as a line of credit because they pay it, you know, maybe for a month or two or six. They've been paying the MCAs every day. Then the MCA said, hey, you paid us this back. We'll give you another loan. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a terrible situation. And they just end up they end up paying for it all over again. So um, 
you know, I, I've made two videos in the past. It's been a while, actually, since I've made one. But uh, I made one back in 2017 called Just How Expensive Is Merchant Cash Advance? And we'll put, after the video goes live, we'll put a link to it here uh, to refer people to it. And then there was another one I made in 2018 called Big Bank Plus Fintech Equal Ex Expensive Money, uh, where I, I sort of dove into the little footnotes at the bottom of a big bank advertisement about some of these services and, and broke down just exactly what the costs were. And, and we'll put a link to that one too. They're already in the show notes if anyone wants to check them out. But it, it would seem to me that the more I hear about innovation in small business lending, what it really is a code word for is just expensive costs of money. Yeah, well, innovative <clears throat> to me means uh, more gambling because uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. And have you noticed that there's more gambling now? There's more gambling available. Uh, the government has made it easier for people to literally gamble. And the MCAs themselves are gambling. They're gambling with, you know, uh, giving money to businesses that aren't really qualified to meet the demands of the contract. <clears throat> so the, gambler, the, the biggest gamblers are the MCA companies. And we were talking about, you know, why are there so many more MCA com companies you know, rising, rising up lately. And that's because they, they ebb and flow because some go out of business and then they find money. People sit on money and they want to invest it somewhere. So they'll give it to, you know, maybe a, a small business, a MCA business, or they might even take their own money and create an MCA business and they start lending it out there so that they can make a return on their cash. But MCA companies go bust all the time. And we're seeing, we're seeing uh, as well. They're starting to get in trouble from uh, uh, from DAs in different states as well. So, so let's think about that just for a moment, because you know, if you walk into a traditional bank and you want to get a bank loan, the banker is going to look at your situation. They're going to want to see that you have the cash flow, the capacity to make those payments to repay the loan. Uh, and if you don't have the cash flow, or you cannot demonstrate that you have the cash flow. Uh, the bank's not going to approve that loan. And what makes these type of lenders different to your point about gambling is they'll look at the cash flow going through your business, in particular, your credit card terminal, and they'll just say, oh, geez, this company, the, this little business, this pizza shop or something has got almost 20000 a week going through its credit card terminal. If we advance them forty grand and we collect it fast enough, regardless of what happens, we're going to make our money, even though maybe we can also see too that this business has some some problems. That's right. And they have they have control of the credit card processor, right? Meaning they're taking it automatically out. And they have control of the bank account. And um, if you default on your MCA, they can seize the whole thing. So that's that's why they're willing to do it as well, because if you default, then they have the option of um, see, having the bank basically seizing your account, whether it's merchant uh, a processor, credit card processor, or your bank account. They just have to send the contract over to the bank or the uh, processor, and they will uh, not let you take out any payments until you resolve it, until the two parties have resolved. And that's the MCA and the business owner. So now... Not only, not only um, are, are you in 
trouble from default and but maybe your entire account is seized and you can't pay you can't pay your employees you can't pay anything until it's resolved okay so so basically what we're describing here is if you're in a small business and you have you have a short-term cash need you've got to get some money in to pay some things something's wrong in your business and maybe you think you can pull it around so you so you decide i'm going to take one of these merchant cash advances you get that money now you're working hard to pay all the finance charges for some people though the whatever needs to be fixed in their business can't be fixed and and what can sometimes happen is people end up in a business where they realize, hey, if I wasn't paying all these finance charges, I would actually be making a go of things. It's the finance charges that are taking all of the all of the the profitability out of this business. Um, and so and you help people to work themselves out of these debts uh, without going to court. Can you can you describe to us a little bit about about what that solution looks like? Yes, it's all out of court. And uh, you mentioned it's a debt workout. We call it a debt workout. And it's a debt settlement, essentially. What you do is you go through a process so that you can settle the debt down the road, not create a new payment schedule. Uh, you know, because you're just going to make, if you're a business owner in trouble, no matter what, you want to, you, 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 you want to be paying, you want to pay them back, but it's not going to work. Because there's something wrong with your business, as you just said, Dick. And they can't address that. So uh, our debt workout is uh, no payment plans. Essentially, there is sometimes a couple of instances, but let's just focus on what the workout is. You save for a settlement. So you have to go through that process. And the reason they'll you, this can be done out of court is because... Um, Everything put together uh, would be what the court would require anyway. So you're saving all that time waiting in court. So that's why a lender would be willing to settle because it's going to settle anyway, as far as the, you know, in court. So let's say you wait. For, it takes you know six months to twelve months to work out a debt, meaning to settle a debt, because you have to save for it as well. There's no way you're going to save for the entire amount. That's not going to happen because what we just said, there's a problem in the business. And that's why uh, the way we've put it together, you can settle for 30%, 35%, 10%, 12%. It all depends on your situation. And the situation is your hardship as a business. That's why this works. A hardship means you can show that the business hasn't been making the money from a certain date because of certain reasons. Uh, for instance, it could be COVID. COVID's still affecting businesses now, what happened in COVID. Or it could be a uh, whatever it is. You know, you're not selling as much. And um, now you have a hardship, meaning you can't meet your debt service. Your cash flow cannot meet debt service. So now you're in a situation that you can show in a hardship, you know, in a document that these are the reasons and this is why they need to work with you. And work with you just means they have no choice. They can see they have to. And you've also put, you know, we used to handle clients ourselves. Now we just have the debt workout course. 
So a business owner can do it for themselves way cheaper than hiring a company. So, 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 so if, you know, in the, in the normal process of things, if you got into one of these debts and you stopped paying, they would make collection calls, they would threaten you, they would write letters, they would try to take control of your bank account. They might eventually bring you to court. At the end of the day, if it got in front of a judge and, and you said, like, I don't have any money, like, what would then happen? The judge would just say, well, you're going to pay this and it's done. Like, would it eventually get worked out just because that's the ultimate end of the process anyway? Of of course, because the judge is going to look at the situation. The judge is going to make the business owner show the situation. You know, I, I, you know, is the business owner hiding any money? Are they, you know, what's coming in? What are they worth, et cetera? And quite honestly, the the bigger the hardship, the smaller the settlement. The better the settlement, mm. right? And I mean, you know, I've seen judges, you know, uh, say right now the business owner can afford thirty-five dollars a week, and an MCA just they don't want they don't want that, so they do want to work it out. However, you do want to avoid some things because um, maybe you don't want a judgment on your record. So maybe you want to do the settlement before a judgment happens, even if the court process has started, because they're going, you know, they're likely to file suit against you. But okay. if you stay so, on top of that, you can push it down so, the road. So the gist of this is, is if you have a plan for taking control of the situation where you can demonstrate the hardship and you can give a reasonable sort of offer to to clear it up. And they can see that they're likely not going to do that much better if they decide to prolong it all and go to the a legal conclusion. Then it's in their best interest too, just to do some kind of deal with you and be done with it. Well, they want to do a deal with you, no matter what. They would prefer every all of it, but um, you have to prove it to them. You have to show them that this is the situation. It's not going to get better, and. Um, once you have saved from up, because in the course I describe, I said, you know, I always say, do not make an offer to them until you have the money. Yeah. But, you know, if you have, you know, if you owe 10,000 and you make a, you know, on a, if you owed 100,000 and you have 10,000, anytime you can say, I have $10,000, would you use take this to settle it? And of course, they're going to say, we'll take that as a down payment. And as I go through the course, no, yeah. no, we're going to get rid of it at the and, end. And just for everyone, just for everyone who's watching, Kenny reached out to me a couple of months ago and and offered to let me go through the program, and I did, which is why he's here today, uh, because I went through the program, and uh, quite frankly, I was pretty amazed uh, at just the the granular detail of how you spell everything out, like the 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 steps to take, the scripts to use, the processes you know, creating alternative bank accounts. And this is your criteria for choosing that bank. And this is why you want this kind of bank and not this other kind of bank, like may have brand. I think you you differentiated between a, a bank that's entirely in-state versus one that crosses state lines and how the rules apply differently to the different lenders and stuff. And it was just, it was right. very, very detailed. And I, I went through it and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. And and you actually brought a case study today. Did you want to, do you want to share some of that stuff now? Cause I, I think it's a really yeah, eye -opening case study. All right. So let me, let me put that up on the screen. 
Okay, why don't you tell us what what the situation is here? It looks like a, a health clinic. Yeah, this is a health clinic. Uh, it's a case study, and they had they was you know really small, but they had a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars in MCA debt. That's not all the debt, all the MCAs, but this one particular MCA, they negotiated it down to ten thousand dollars for full settlement, and that's without making daily, weekly, or monthly payments. Right. So now uh, the situation they took out, they took an advance of one hundred fifty grand. Pays the pay, debt payment schedule was seven hundred fifty dollars per day. COVID hit. Wow. Revenue is reduced by seventy percent. Holy cow. Mm, that's right. So yeah, it, this is an impossible situation and they had to face, um, you know, some hard decisions and more, you know, morally people want to make their payments, but this is impossible and it's, it's a, a business situation. So they defaulted, which means they, you know, Payment stopped, which was easy. <laughs> that was easy because they literally didn't have the money. So uh, the challenges, loss of business, make it impossible to pay the debt service. They needed to mm -hmm. stall the creditor until enough money was raised so that they could offer a reduced settlement amount while continuing to operate. This is difficult because they're going to harass you like crazy. The MC collectors, debt collectors, particularly MCAs, they're not bound by uh, retail restrictions on debt collections. So they, they'll threaten you. They'll lie to you. They'll tell you they're going to do all some sorts of things. They're going to eat your dog. It's not going to happen. And so this is because most of the rules, most of the rules around what debt collectors can say and do are, are meant for, as consumer protections, right? Not, not, they don't apply in the world of business often. Yeah, they only apply to uh, a consumer. In the business world, yeah. you're just a business. They look at, you know, the... Uh, and keep in mind, it's not usury. I'm not going to go over this in detail right now, but usury law means they restricted on collections and what they can charge you. But an MCA, Merchant Cash Advance, the government doesn't look at it as a loan, only that it's a purchase of future receivables. We can go into that another time. It's more of a factoring contract in the in the eyes of the law. Essentially, yes. Yeah, factoring is the same idea. I mean, it has the same problems. So uh, now they prepared. So they had to <laughs> they had to secure their banking and credit card processor. You know, making it difficult for the MCA credit to freeze accounts. Now we say difficult because um, it can happen that you can you know take action on that and they can seize it. But we have so many different ways of making it so that the business owner can control their cash. You know, it, it, you can get this done. Then they started their hardship documentation, gathered bank statements to redact. Okay. And because you have to prove that you're not making a certain money. So you have to show those. Now, what's interesting, you can see this was in July. Um, so the month of July, literally, the only thing they had to do was send out uh, three emails. So the first email is to, you know, request from the creditor a contract and account statement. So you have that. So you're going to look at the numbers and make sure they're correct based on the contracts. Uh, then they sent another email um, requesting the, the the contract and statement again for the creditor because creditors move slowly. And then uh, they were 
notified that a file that they the MCA filed suit in Virginia. Now, why would we say Virginia, right? Why would we even mention that? Because that's a state that's uh, favorable to the MCAs. Um, now, would the borrower or the lender have been in Virginia, or do they just chose that jurisdiction to file because of the case law there? Case law, and it's in the uh, it's in the contract that the MCA can do whatever they want. I mean, essentially, that's what the contract says. Um, and they want to file in Virginia. Then they domesticated if they get a judgment. Uh, now, then the third email was another request. And in the course, you don't even have to write the emails. Uh, you just plug in your information. We give you all the templates for it. It's really easy. So the total work uh, for July was 15 minutes. <laughs> right. So uh, I laugh because it always seems daunting to people. And I understand. But uh, with this, with the system that we have, it just doesn't take much time at all. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. This was August. You know, they finally got the statements uh, after one more email. And then, you know, the uh, account statement had to be added to a spreadsheet. We give you a, a spreadsheet to track your MCA debt. Now, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you that mm-hmm. the spreadsheet tool can really impress me because you, you you can keep track of many different kinds of debts, who you're dealing with at each firm, uh, the record of all the communications back and forth. Um, I, th- I think you call it the spreadsheet of woe. Is that right? And it's all about yeah, recording, yeah. you know, the, the hardship. Um, it was really impressive to me because it was almost like a, a, a CRM system just built on Excel. And you go through the process of teaching people step by step. This is how, what you put in this cell. This is how you link it, you know, the the person to the the debt and all this kind of thing. And how you That's can have exactly changing right. representatives. You can have changing representatives and how you really have to keep all this stuff up to date. Exactly. And <laughs> we did have this system in our CRM when we uh, managed clients' uh, debt workouts. So I just built the uh, spreadsheet based on our CRM, which which took a lot of you know heavy lifting to get it uh, for ease of use and make sure it was accurate and it really worked. So yeah, you can you could juggle ten different debts, uh, fifty different um, cases. We call them a case, like MCA debts. You could have them with 10, 20 different companies and manage the whole thing in the spreadsheet. And we do call it the spreadsheet of woe because it's uh, not woe because of you, but woe on the MCAs because they're they're just going to have to take a much reduced settlement. Now, Mm. in uh, so you can see on the fifth, sent an email. uh, Creditor, look at this. The creditor, because the clinic put themselves in a position of uh, power and control of their own assets, they were offered by the MCA $50,000 lump sum or $60,000 over uh, 24 months. That's a great offer, isn't it? 50%. It's half. Right. Yeah. Um, they just can't pay it. They couldn't come up with 50 grand. And they couldn't put themselves in a position of making payments again. Now, in this case, unfortunately, um, they, you know, they... The creditor won a judgment, um, but the, and at that point, the hardship document 
documentation was completed. Now, the uh, you know the the business owner, the clinic, didn't get their hardship done fast enough. Okay, so you can see that the documentation was completed and sent after the judgment. That's not the way to go. Okay, so uh, which in the course we explain that, and <clears throat> another email was sent with a follow up. Now, another four emails total, 30 minutes, hardship creation, one hour. Total work for the month of uh, December, three hours. Now, I'll, I'm going to skip ahead a little quickly now. Um, you can see there was back and forth with an offer of uh, $11,000 was made to the creditor. And there's a lot of back and forth. They counted with 40000 They knocked out for another ten. Um, then, uh, debtor found a Virginia court summons taped to their door, decided not to appear in court, emailed the creditor at that point that the IRS, IRS was in first place and offered 10,000. So the clinic was offering less as time went by. So 30 so minutes total. It, so the, over. the financial condition of the clinic was continuing to worsen over the course of this time. Is that what was happening? Well, it, it was the, they just decided that that's what they, they wanted to settle for ten. They changed it from eleven thousand to ten. I don't know. Maybe they they had to spend the eighteen hundred dollars on something else. Okay, but what I'm saying is they stopped making the mm -hmm. payments. Obviously, COVID really affected mm -hmm. the viability of this business. By yeah. the fall of 2020, I would think that some semblance of regular business had started to come back, but. Uh, it sounds like this business had a lot of problems with different debts and things anyway. So, so the IRS yes. issue, would that have been another sort of new thing that would have come up in the meantime, since the beginning of this process? No, because in the course, I explain that once you have money to settle, you have to put the heat on heat on the end, the creditor. And right. that means you know, you start telling telling them some other things that are true. This is not about lying. This is the truth, right? Because um, the clinic had more debt than that one MCA, and included IRS. They owed IRS, right? And mm -hmm. at that point, the IRS is always in a higher position than everyone else. And, uh, and so now the credit is saying, "Oh boy, he's got IRS debt." Oh, you know, and it's all true, and. and at that point, the creditor has to start uh, really looking at that offer. So they're putting the heat on, meaning the uh, clinic is putting the heat on the, the creditor to take it while it's still available. Right. So now in November, um, it keeps going back and forth, but not that long. At one point, the creditor... Uh, on 11-24, the creditor offered to settle for 20000 clinic didn't have it. So that's it. So um, then uh, by the end of November, that was five emails. Hardship was, uh, it says hardship creation again, because you're updating your hardship as you go, because things can get worse as you go. And um, mm -hmm. And as you go through your, workout process and the course course just takes you through this it's very simple because it's like um and on this module do this then this time do that 
And one of the things you do is each month you update your hardship because you want to show your bank statements again. And you want to say nothing's changed and nothing it seems like it's going to change. And and it's important to note that you also teach people, you know, it's not the sh that you're going to share your bank statements with this creditor. They have to be properly redacted. There's certain bits of information that have to be hidden in order to protect the resources you do have. I mean, the, it, 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 there is a lot of technique to this. Definitely. And I show you exactly what to redact. Yeah. You know, the you know, honestly, the default is whatever you want to redact, right? But you do have to show them this is what's coming in and this is what's going out. You don't have to say what you're spending the money on. You don't have to do that, but you, you do have to show them uh, some numbers that make sense. But I show you exactly what to redact and how to redact. We, we show you a technique to do that. Um, and, and I want to point out that uh, it's not just me. It's not really me teaching. Yes, I teach in it, but I actually just take you through a workflow. If this, then this. If that, then that. You can't miss. All right. So through this in December, this is this is when the back and forth goes. Um, I won't go into every detail. It's very you know simple things like. Um, they accepted the offer, right? And then you have to create the settlement agreement. In the course, we give you we give you the method and um, the templates for a settlement agreement. Of course, you could just have a lawyer do it for you, but it's in there. And we tell you what to look for, uh, you know, how to send them the money, from where, etc. And uh, so December was, that was two hours. I want to get right to the end. And we, okay. we do a resolu resolution letter request. We got that. And we uh, uh, asked to release the judgment. And we show you how to do that, all of that, including we show a, a, when, when you have settled the debt and you have all the documentation, that's when you get your UCC liens removed uh, and, and anything on your credit report as well. And we show you how to do that. So at the end, $100,000 MCA debt. It says $10,000 full settlement. It was actually $9,800. I just rounded up. Uh, total time spent 9.5 hours for six months. Mm -hmm. uh, 34 emails sent, one letter sent, zero phone calls. Stay off the phone. So it was 90% uh, savings. That's, um, I mean, that's a, that's a, a wonderful result. Now, that was back in 2020 leading into 2021. Uh, do you have any mm -hmm. update on that business? Are they are they still open or can you give us any idea of? Oh, he just, uh, they just, uh, actually, they revamped a business and, uh, you know, a smaller version of it. And um, so that's all, you know. Simple, uh, but uh, they they really fought through that. But you can see it just didn't. It doesn't. It's not as it's not terrifying. If you have the course, I'm going to take you through the whole thing. And when I say I am, you don't you don't even have to talk to me. I'm in there with video and with with yeah. workflows, and uh, you can't miss. We got we have all the templates. 
you can also in the course or you can email us, but in the course you can you can uh, uh, chat us and we will get back to you. And so can you, I've got a great question here that comes from uh, from one of the viewers that's tuned in right now. He says, thanks for the great content. Just curious, has Kenny noticed these types of issues increasing as the economy weakens and as COVID supports have fallen off? <clears throat> um, the answer yes, in short is yes, because um, after, I saw this happen over a decade ago. So uh, when the economy goes down, MCAs, um, for some reason, it kind of ebbs and flows. Like I said, MCAs rise because businesses can't get decent loans. And then the economy goes down and businesses start uh, losing money and going out of business. So defaults start popping up like crazy. And then it's a mad dash for some of these MCAs to get, get the money. But what's crazy is that um, I, we have seen uh, we, we've seen people like have trouble with an MCA, go through a bunch of rigmarole back and forth. They didn't pay it. And then they make another deal with the MCA. MCAs will keep giving people money uh, regardless of what condition they're in. So, yeah, as the company, I actually think when. uh when COVID all unravels, because I don't think it has fully, financially speaking, you know, because, uh, you know, MCAs chilled out during that period, you know, because they wanted to try to get some of that um, money that came in from the government. And they were really careful not to seize it or anything because they could get in huge trouble if they try to, you know, get some of that government assistance out of a business. Right. Because things like now, PPP loans are specifically for wages and, and, and other things, and you're not supposed to use that money to repay old debts. No way. No way. So they were careful about that. And they were very, they were much cooler than they used to be. But we're going right back to it. And, you know, and businesses that were propped up on debt in this environment are going to um, be in trouble. They're going to suffer. And, you know, that's the, how it is. In most of these MCA agreements, are there personal guarantees from the owner as well, or is it strictly usually in a, the business's name? We, we've got a question here from Cliff who who wants to know, can you use this method for an SBA loan for which you have a personal guarantee? It's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question uh, because this is based on uh, SBA offer and compromise. So the offer and – it's a weird word uh, phrase, right? Offer and compromise. SBA, the SBA has a debt workout department, a program, and it's called Offer and Compromise, essentially. And that's a process of um, creating a settlement with the SBA. So the answer is, yeah, you go through an Offer and Compromise. But let me let me say this uh, about, uh, you know, the government. You make a deal with the government, you, you have to fulfill it. You can't change it later. So if you made a deal with the SBA, you have to be able to fulfill it. So an offer and compromise is, and, and um, often the SBA wants to put you out of business, right? But they can't force you, right? So they, so that personal guarantee, uh, the problem with the personal guarantee, so the answer to the whole, everybody with the personal guarantees is, yeah, they sign personal guarantees with the MCAs. Now, 
That's but and it puts people in a really rotten position. Uh, um, as far as like the courts, because they can be named, they'll get a judgment, etc. And it's anyway, that's why you have to do a debt settlement. So the personal guarantees, they're connected to almost everything, right? They can be connected to everything. Even if the, even if the law doesn't respect it, they'll still put a personal guarantee on it. Now, and you, know, and you will be required question. to yeah, face that. Well, Cliff asked the question about personal guarantees, but in, in my experience with small businesses, um, almost all the time, small business owners have to sign a personal guarantee and small business owners who have the personal means to put additional funds into their own business, don't go and sign up for an MCA advance, right? Like, so people get themselves in a knot over this personal guarantee quite often, but, you know, usually the personal guarantee <clears throat> isn't worth a whole lot by the time somebody gets into this sort of position because they've, they've used their personal resources often in the business to try to, to try to, you know, move things along. And um, so you may have to demonstrate, I mean, if your business is having a hardship and you work full time in your business, it's probably not going to be very difficult to demonstrate that your own personal life is in hardship as well. Right. That's not usually the problem. It's a bit of a problem. But what the problem is, is when you've had your wife sign for a personal guarantee. Oh, OK. Or your, Tell us about that. Or, or your mother or whomever. Right. Well, Oftentimes they don't know what they say. Hey, I want to get this loan. You know, do you mind doing a, you know, signing it with me and whatever? They think it's a good idea. Never do it. I, I would, I'd suggest don't ever get an MCA, ever. Hmm. That's my suggestion. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm just talking. In fact, everything outside of court. But if you, I mean, you know. Uh, Having having a, a family member sign a personal guarantee for MCA, no way, man. <laughs> Bad idea because they'll go at, they're going to because they're the ones who will have the asset. They'll own the house. They're you know, maybe a family member will own the house, uh, their own house. They will have personal assets, and those are subject to um, the contract collections. Maybe they could be. So with the people that I've worked with over the years who have had these things, um, basically I've found that there's two kinds of scenarios that lead people into this issue. Uh, a sudden and severe unforeseen crisis of some kind. COVID is a great example of that, right? But there could be all kinds of things like that. You know, mm -hmm. you're in a strip mall and the big business at the end had a fire that affected you or whatever, right? Like there's all kinds of these sudden unforeseen things that could happen. The second thing is that the business wasn't doing well, but the owner didn't know that the business wasn't doing well because they didn't have proper reporting and information and systems in place about the business. And so they didn't know how bad things were until they ran out of money one day and they couldn't make payroll. And then they chose to address it and they went looking for a quick band-aid solution. So that ultimately, you know, we're in business to make money. You want to make sure that you're making money and you need to have the systems in place to understand what's happening in your business so that you don't end up getting into one of these hard spots, but, um, you know, your advice, just don't take an MCA, you know, for, for a lot of people that would mean what it would mean having to face the reality of the situation that they're in. And, and that medicine can be pretty hard to take. And a lot of, in a lot of these situations, taking the merchant cash advance is just going to prolong and further frustrate your existence 
and unless you can make a repair to the business and fix it. <clears throat> well, here's, <laughs> I have a question for you, David. Um, if a business, um, if their if their cash flow cannot meet their debt service, is it a going concern? Well, it's 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 tricky because there are situations out there that I've seen before where people have had a profitable business on an operating basis, but once you add the debt service, then it doesn't work. And so, exactly, the question then is, you know, can we? Yeah, I, I get what you're aiming at. Is that well, you know, the business can point. succeed as as long as we reformat the financing, and that's exactly what this is doing. Yes. If you can get rid of the debt and now you have a profitable business, you have a going concern. And that's great. Um, you know, I, I've actually found that a lot of people that have taken out MCA debts, when early on, when they first started the business, they had built it up and they were making really good money or, you know, decent. Actually, some were making millions that we had worked on. <clears throat> and then unforeseen things happen in the business, everything from like, tariffs in China to COVID, you know, honestly, COVID, it's almost like an option would have been to shut your business down, wait till COVID was over, create a new business. All right. But <laughs> that's one option. Um, but it was only is, supposed to be for two weeks though, Kenny. Well, guess what? <laughs> right. You know, they didn't sign a contract for that. Okay. So, um, you know, so, you know, people sometimes if if they have a um, if they don't have to go bankrupt, if they go bankrupt, they might be forced out of business. So, you know, they to get rid of the debt that's in the way of making profit. Uh, if that can be done out of court, this is the way to do it. A debt workout mm -hmm. a settlement. Now, if you, in my opinion, if you're going to. Uh, hire a thinking of hiring a debt workout company you certainly can but our debt course is also made for third party so you could actually hire someone to just send the emails out for you to just follow the course because we have third party email templates so it's uh structured so that the owner themselves can do the debt workout the debt settlement over time or they could actually hire someone and that person could go in and just watch it as the third party. So we have third party modules along with the first party. So you can do that. If you go to a business, uh, if you want to hire someone um, that we don't, we don't take on any clients uh, like that. However, in my opinion, a debt settlement company should take the course and actually they ha some have. Actually, some have, I, which I don't mind. I don't care if they take the course. That that was one of the one of the thoughts I had actually when I finished it. Is I was like, hey, if I wanted to get into this industry, this would be the the how to book that I you know that I had just gone through. Well, this the next thing I'm going to do this year is uh, create a certification for it, so that if you know somebody could actually say, no, we took the course, we're certified. So uh, that's that would be great. I, I love that idea because it would done, then it doesn't have to be a debt workout company. It could also be an accountant, a CPA, a lawyer. We've actually had lawyers as clients, believe it or not, right? Because this is a very specific thing.
debt workout. And lawyers aren't trained for it, but they do understand a bit about it. But uh, we have in the course, if you remember, David, um, every now and then I, uh, I'll pop up and say, here's one way to use a lawyer as you go. Right. So I give the option of like plugging in a lawyer to send something or to look at something before you send it. So you could send them an agreement for the settlement, but you can have your lawyer look at it first, take it back from your lawyer and you send it. So just uh, I just looked at the time as we as we wrap up here, can you sort of describe who is the the ideal candidate to to take advantage of the program? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the course is uh, it's twenty five hundred dollar one time payment or five hundred dollars for six months. Uh, no credit check. OK, <laughs> so there's no it. it, it so uh, it's not a loan. So uh, if if you have business credit that's getting in your way of your business, all you have to do is measure it against that investment. Because if you have 15, we've had people buy the course who had $12,000 in debt. I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You can't find 12 grand. Some people can't. They just have a small little business, right? Um, because it's an amazing thing of how many business, like one person businesses there are, whether they're using, you know, Amazon or PayPal or whatever, and they owe the money and they can't get it because they, they only make a little bit of money. So they've bought the course. Um, so anything, I mean, it, it could go, you could use this. You could use this for multi-million dollar debt. You could. Now, that's a lot of money. And, you know, if it, it if it did have a lot of different problems, you might really need to have uh, maybe a debt workout company that actually knows something um, help you. But if if you hire um, a debt workout company, uh, you should you should take the course anyway, so you know that they're doing their job. So anybody who has debt that they would like to settle it and they don't want to go, they don't want to, they don't want bankruptcy and they want to avoid court. And if they want and to so, business. And so if, if, if this is you, if you're watching and, and you're in this kind of position and you need help with this, just look in the show notes down below. There's, there's a link. Uh, it is an affiliate link. Uh, Kenny is the sponsor of today's show. Um, and I did go through the program. It's the only reason why I had him on here today, because I, I know that it is a quality program and I, I would frankly recommend it to anyone that came to me and said that they had this kind of, uh, this kind of problem. Um, then another question here from Cliff says, with a personal guarantee that's in my name only, not my spouse, is there a risk to my house? I do have substantial equity due to the recent housing boom. Um, I don't know if you want to take a stab right. at that question, Kenny. Yeah, yeah, no, I, oh, definitely, because it's, it's happened a million times. <clears throat> I can't, I, I can't speak to your case specifically, but um, when you're working out the debt, <clears throat> if they can see how much the house is worth, you see, you can't say, "Oh, I, I owe a hundred thousand dollars. I want to work it out for ten grand." That's an, I showed that. That's an incredible deal. Right. It's fantastic. But if you got it for 30 percent, which is the average, that'd be good. What's going to happen when you have equity in a house? They can't necessarily, they're not going to, you know, the likelihood of 
anything happened in the house is little, but if you had, um, you'd have to talk to your lawyer about that. But, you know, what they're going to look at is how much equity is in the house to be fair, because the creditor will say, well, we want to see your assets, what, how much they're worth. So if you had $150,000 in your house and you owed $150,000 <throat> to the creditor, they're not going to take 10 grand. That's all. They're just looking at how much you're worth. And then they'll take it from there. But I can tell you that the average over time for us, when we did workouts, right? When I've been in this, around this industry for forever, 30% is the average. It can, it can go up depending on how much money you had in assets. But that's how you look at it. You look at how much am I worth and they're going to, they're going to take the deal based on your assets and how much uh, cash flow you have. Yeah. If that makes sense. David. Well, this, this has been an awesome conversation, Kenny. Thank you so much. Um, and the links are down below. Uh, if, if people are interested in this, if, if you have a need, if you know someone that has a need, just direct them to this video. Um, because I, I definitely think that this is something that we're going to be seeing more and more of um, as people who end up in a tight spot look for the solution. And, and sometimes taking that easy cash is going to be, feel like a solution in the moment. Um, and then this is and a way David, to work themselves out of that problem. Yeah, David, I, uh, I, I really appreciate um, you bringing me on here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We've talked in the past before, right offline. So I really appreciate this. Awesome. All right. We'll see you next time, Kenny. Thanks. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.